In this episode, I want to encourage Christians to make the gospel their greatest desire during this election season. You're listening to Onward in the Faith with Ray Burns. Ray is dedicated to equipping Christians to understand why they believe what they believe so that they can keep moving onward in their faith toward maturity in Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And make sure you visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. Now here's Ray with today's topic. In America, we are finally reaching the end of a very difficult election season. There's a lot of hostility on both sides of the aisle. It's been very emotional. A lot of people are afraid of one side or the other winning and what that's going to mean for our country. And if we're really looking at everything happening, no matter who wins, there's going to be an uproar. People are talking civil war, people are talking riots, and it's not just one side that is more likely to riot. I'm pretty confident, and I think if you're honest, you would agree that whoever wins, there's going to be a lot of gloating on their side, a lot of bragging, a lot of mocking the losers, and the losing side is probably going to riot. They're going to rebel. They're going to fight in some way or another, whatever that looks like. And it makes sense to a degree, right? Because we're a country full of people with a sin nature. A lot of people are still enemies of God. And so there's this natural tendency to kind of fall into our own tribe, you know, to, to cheer for our own team to the degree that we will cut ourselves off from people who disagree with us. If you've been on social media enough, you've even seen comments like, here's my political opinion. If you don't like it, then you can just remove me from your friends list. And again, we should never be surprised when sinners behave sinfully. But the problem comes when followers of Jesus Christ are not very distinguishable from those who are enemies of the cross. I've seen it happening, and I'm pretty sure it's unavoidable that it's going to happen when the election results actually come in, that Christians are going to be drawn in to this foolishness. And if I'm being honest, a lot of people that claim to represent Christ are making a mockery of him. And it's just going to get worse when there's no more unknowns and things are finally finished and we kind of see how the dust settles with this election. We're going to have people who claim to be saved by grace, who have repented of their sins and who want to live holy lives, acting in ways that are divisive. They're going to be saying things or sharing articles or pictures that are vile and hateful. They're going to find joy in hurting people and gloating and accusing the other side of this or that. And overall, Christians are going to be just terrible ambassadors for their Savior. You know, and while, of course, we aren't perfect and Christ doesn't necessarily call us to absolute perfection. He calls us to desire to be perfect, to desire to walk in a way that pleases him. And, you know, we have that sin nature in us, but social media has a way of just magnifying it and making it so much louder and really so much easier to show others how sinful we are. It makes it easy to show our pride, to show our hostility, our bitterness, and really just shows how ugly we are. And... It can be easy to think of people like that and think, oh yeah, that's those Christians, that's those people who act that way. But I really want to encourage and challenge you with this episode that if you're listening to this, you are at risk for behaving this way. You're at risk of thinking this way. Because 
in our own stories and our own minds, we're never the villains. It's always those other people that act that way and they need to hear this truth. Other people need to kind of correct themselves or repent. But what I really want to do today is just remind us what the Bible says about how to treat people online. And this isn't going to be anything new or revolutionary, but I think it's a necessary reminder because all of us are able to be sinful. All of us can be vile and wicked, and all of us can make Christ look like an absolute joke to other people. And so I hope you'll just listen. All I'm really going to do is I'm going to just read some verses from God's Word and, and how he calls us to conduct ourselves if we are indeed redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to offer a little commentary, but I don't want this to be a long thing. I just want it to be something that you can think of as, you know, over the next few days, it's going to be so tempting to get in arguments online. It's going to be tempting to share all these articles with all these wild accusations or that makes a villain out of one side or the other. And it's just, it's going to be very tempting for us as people who are followers of Jesus Christ, but also who are human beings and people who are invested in what happens with our country to basically be indistinguishable from the rest of the world. So I am trying to approach this topic with humility and love for my brothers and sisters, and I hope that you will listen with humility and listen with love for me as I try to ultimately do what all of us want, which is to just call us to a gospel-centered life. So the first verse I'd like to remind us of is James one twenty six, which says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. So maybe this is the only verse we need with this topic, but it's a great one to start with and it's a great one to consider because what James is reminding us of here is that if we are claiming to follow Christ, if we are saying that, you know, we are different from the world, we are redeemed, that we are not slaves to sin, and yet we don't have the self-control to not say certain things, to not click that share button on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. If we aren't having self-control, then the life that we claim to lead is at odds with that. It's, as, as James says, our religion is worthless. Our way of life means nothing if it's not actually changing how we think and what we do and what we say. So, you know, if we want people to laugh at our testimony, if we want Christ to be torn down and have our own need to share our opinion magnified, if ultimately our goal is to close off our opportunities to share the gospel with someone on the other side of the political aisle, then, yeah, get into that argument. Share that image that makes fun of the Democrats or the Republicans, you know, read and share news articles that shares all these wild conspiracy theories and makes one side of the election look absolutely evil and anyone who follows them is evil. You know, share those things if if you don't mind Christ being brought down. But if you want people to see that what you claim about Christ is true, then bridle your tongue, have self-control, choose not to say things, choose not to share things, because we aren't required to say or share whatever gives us an emotional satisfaction. We don't have to do anything on social media. And so if sharing the article or making that comment or getting in the discussion is going to come at the expense of the gospel and the expense of your testimony as a follower of Christ, I hope you'll consider not doing it. 
Now, another verse I want to discuss, or passage I should say, is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 to 32. It says, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, there is so much that we can unpack here, and I think that before we want to say or share anything online or through email or what have you, this is a passage to read. It's a passage to really consider, because we need to ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say, is what I'm about to share considered unwholesome? according to what Paul wrote in Ephesians, by the inspiration of God. Is this a good word that's going to edify or build up the person who's going to read it or hear it? Is it giving grace to people who see it? Because it doesn't say to give grace to those who agree with you. It says to give grace to those who hear. So is it drawing all people closer to Christ, or is it just drawing people in your camp closer to you so they can give you a pat on the back, ultimately? And this is a problem because as we keep reading this passage, it says that behaving this way, and in our context, getting in arguments online, saying hateful things, sharing lies or twisted truths about one side of the political spectrum, that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. We were given the Holy Spirit. We we actively work against him when we do these things. And so as you're engaging with people online, consider reading this verse, consider thinking about it. Is what you're doing motivated by a love for Jesus Christ, a desire to bring people closer to the cross, or is it motivated by bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice? Is what you're saying your attempt to be kind to one another and compassionate, or is it an attempt to tear people down, to make yourself feel better because of your political leanings? You know, kind of going alongside with this, we've got Galatians 2.20 that I think is very critical to consider before we hit any kind of share or tweet button. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So before you share, before you post, before you respond to people, ask yourselves, In this moment, these words I'm choosing, this article I'm sharing, am I sharing this because my life belongs to Christ, or am I sharing it because I want my life and my decisions and my opinions to belong to me? Because one of those brings glory to God, and one of those brings glory to us. And we know that God will not share his glory. It's either all to God or it's none to God. Now, continuing on, we've got Proverbs 10.9. And I could really just read almost the entire book of Proverbs, it seems, but... This one is very to the point. It says, When there are many words, wrongdoing is unavoidable, but one who restrains his lips is wise. So the basic takeaway I think we can get from this is that we're all going to be tempted to say things and to do things. We're, we're going to be tempted to act foolishly. And wisdom isn't just those who are above that. You know, you're not wise because you're immune to the temptation to get into arguments. Wisdom instead belongs to those who want to hit that share button or to get into that argument, but they choose not to. 
And they don't choose not to because they're so mature, but because they are mature in Christ, because they want Christ to be glorified. And so the more that we talk online, the more that we share, the more we increase our odds that we're going to be fools, that we're going to look foolish and make our Savior look foolish. And now with all that, it might sound like I'm being kind of a, a puffball and saying, oh, well, you should just be nice and hug everyone and you know, just be kind and all that. And we obviously know that that's not what Christ calls us to. Christ doesn't call us to be cowards or to be timid or to be quiet. In fact, in Matthew 10, 34 to 36, he is very clear about what the life of the Christian is probably going to look like. And there, Christ says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. So, yes, we're going to live a life of conflict, of people hating us. And in a way, that brings glory to Christ, because if they're hating us for the right reason, then we're obviously doing something right, because we are bringing light to the darkness. And people love darkness rather than light. But here's where, as Christians, we get it very confused. We think that as long as we attach the name Jesus to what we're saying, or if we are saying, well, I'm a Christian, and therefore I'm a Republican, and so I'm sharing this as a Christian Republican— We feel that if anyone gets mad at us, that we are suffering persecution for the sake of Jesus Christ, because people are mad at us for what we've said. And the thinking that I'd really like to challenge, and I hope that maybe you'll even pause and really consider this, because this is kind of the core thing that I think Christians really need to take away as they are preparing to interact with people during and after the election. So as you're going around online, as you're talking to people in person— Make sure that people hate you because you represent Christ in the gospel. Instead of making them hate Jesus Christ because you claim to represent him. And by that, of course, I mean that if people are hating you, make sure it's because you're telling them the truth about their sin, about their need for a savior, about how the things in this world are temporary and that only what's done for Christ is going to matter. Make them hate you because you know that God is sovereign and in control and that he is good and that whatever identity they have in their politics and their sports and their job and their family, that's not what's going to save them. Let them hate you because you're telling them they're not good people, just like we aren't good people. And that it's only through the shed blood of Christ and the wrath of God that he endured on the cross that we have any hope of being saved, but that it's not a freebie. It's not a get out of hell free card without repentance, without a turning away from sin and turning towards Christ without asking him to save us because he's the only one who can, we have no hope. Make sure that is why people hate you, why you're being turned into a martyr or oppressed or spoken evil of because you represent Christ. Don't let people hate Christ because you are being sinful, because you are being hurtful and ugly and just attaching Christ's name to it and then trying to act like a victim. You know, that's maybe that's a harsh way to say it, but I think Christians need to understand that being a Christian, having people hate you doesn't mean you're pleasing Christ. A lot of times, especially right now, especially with how easy it is to share your opinion online, it's often much more likely that you are being persecuted because you are ugly. And then Christ gets dragged through the mud right alongside you. So don't let that happen. Let Christ be elevated and you be brought low rather than elevating yourself at the expense of bringing Christ down. 
then overall, I want us to consider Romans 12.2, which I think is just a good kind of summary of this whole idea. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, as Christians, we're called to be weird. We really are. We are not supposed to blend in with those around us. We're not supposed to have the same goals and desires as those who have no hope in the cross. And so as we're looking around at the world and the natural tendency of a worldview that's against God is to shout and riot and be angry and to take sides and to tell people, if you don't agree with me, then I don't want to be your friend. You know, if that's the world's natural tendency is to create barriers and to be angry and to just kind of hide in our own little tribes, then as Christians, we should realize that's a red flag if that is where we are finding our identity or our satisfaction or our purpose right now. You know, I'm not saying don't care about politics. You know, we are so blessed by God to be able to live in a country where we get a say in what happens, where our investment in politics matters. But too easily and too often, we make that what it's all about. We lose sight of the gospel, and we just march right alongside everyone else that shares some of our beliefs and our political ideals. And so, you know, you're going to be looking around, and you're going to see a lot of your brothers and sisters being barely distinguishable from the world. They're going to be saying hateful and hurtful things. They may even get involved in the riots or in spouting conspiracy theories or whatever is going to happen in the next few days and weeks. And just because you see your friends or your spouse or I hope not, but even your pastor getting involved in this worldly way of thinking and speaking and responding, make sure that as you either join them or don't, that you're not being conformed to the world's thinking, but instead that your thoughts and your actions are the result of the Holy Spirit's transforming power in your life. Make sure that your life and your online interactions are being marked by the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. You know, make sure that as people are seeing how you're acting, they are seeing Christ, not just another person who claims to represent him. And then one final set of verses I'd like to talk about is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and these are verses 19 and 23. And I know that I don't normally just omit entire verses here. So go read the passage. It's basically just Paul giving examples of what he's talking about here. So verse 19 says, For though I am free from all people, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may gain more. And then verse 23 says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. You know, a lot of times when we read Paul, we see him as kind of a super Christian. We think that how he lived and thought is just impossible. It's just beyond us normal folk. But Paul is really just an example of what it looks like for a sinful, flawed, and broken human being to be sold out for the gospel. He is the example, if you will, of what we should all desire. You know, because we're not all going to plant churches like him. We're not all going to be pastors. We're not all going to be imprisoned and executed. But we can all think about Christ and let our lives be molded by the gospel in the same way that Paul was. And so what he says at the beginning of verse 23 is really what I hope we will all ask ourselves as we are dealing with whatever's going to happen over the next few days. Because he said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. So as you're talking, as you're sharing, as you are maybe even getting into 
mature and wise debates with people, constantly ask yourself, is what I'm doing the greatest good for the gospel? Because the gospel and our desire to bring glory to Christ and to elevate him affects all areas of our lives, including and maybe even especially how we talk about politics. So as we're dealing with all this, really just ask yourselves, are you being marked by your desire to win an argument or to force others to listen to your opinion? Is that the takeaway that people are getting? Is that the picture that you're painting online? Or are people looking at you and seeing that your greatest desire above all else is to elevate Christ and to promote the gospel and to tell people about something greater than a political candidate or a political ideology? Are you denying yourself? Are you, are you exercising self-control and not saying things that you want to say? Because like Paul, you will say things or not say things. You will share things or not share things for the sake of the gospel. If that is our greatest aim in life, if we want nothing more than to make sure that we are completely out of the way so that Christ is foremost in how people see us, if people can look at us and they can hate us, not because of what we say about politics or entertainment or anything else in life, but if people hate us purely because we are nothing more than the gospel, then that's awesome. That's great. That is what we want in life. That is what God calls us to. That's why Christ saved us. But if people are seeing us and they think that the gospel is a joke, they think the gospel is hateful or bigoted or or whatever picture we're giving people online, if people are seeing the gospel and if they are saying, wow, is that really what Christ represents? I don't want anything to do with Christ. Then as believers, we've failed in our basic task because we have made people look at us at the cost of Christ instead of making them look at Christ at the expense of our own desires, our own opinions, and our own need to get into arguments or share our opinions with people. So that's basically it for this episode, a nice quick one. Um, I hope that you will at least prayerfully consider the things I've said. Um, I wrote the accompanying article to this with a very heavy heart. I don't like how Christians deal with politics. It, it grieves me, I guess is a way to say it. And I just want Christ and the testimony of the gospel and the individual testimonies of my brothers and sisters not to be dragged through the mud because of how we respond, because things aren't going to be good. Whoever wins, whoever loses, it's going to be bad. Our country may be at a point where we can't turn back from. So as followers of Christ, let's not get swept up in what the world is doing or what the world is caring about. And instead, with humility and with love for all people, regardless of their political opinions, let's make Christ the center of all our online interactions with the decisions we make and everything we do.